Well, I'm starting a little bit early today, but that's okay. This is Dorcas Smith out of Plymouth, Michigan, and welcome to our sort of first weeks of 2020. Man, has it been busy already. Holy cow. I'm going crazy because it's business taxes time, not my favorite time, and I'm working madly on my QuickBooks to get stuff done. <clears throat> but it gets easier every year and I get better. So it's not my favorite it's not my favorite time of the year getting the taxes in place because I do a lot myself. So there's nothing like a bit of a struggle. It's been a crazy year already. Please, everybody, say a prayer for the Australians and their animals. It's that that fire, the fires are horrible, and if you do have any extra money, send it to Australia because they do need some help. Oh my gosh, there's no financial support from the government, from what I'm seeing, and the the people who are helping the injured animals are doing it out of the love of their hearts, just because they're good souls. So we have to help. Anyway. Tough times when it comes to this to our to our world. This is the weight management call for TR90 and Body Burn 30, and I'm not going to go over any of the programming because Nikki did a brilliant job of that yesterday, and reminded us of all the things we have to do. I'm more interested right now in the metacognition of fitness and health. Metacognition. Do you know what metacognition is? That's thinking about thinking. It's thinking about your subject and taking it out and looking at the ideas, which is what makes us why we're here. The whole point of this call is to be healthy and well and live life at the best until it's time to die instead of crawling along in misery and pain and sadness. And even though we still have to struggle when we're doing amazingly well on TR90 and Body Burn 30, it's being well that makes our life awesome. And it's a whole lot better than not doing it, I'll tell you. So there's an, a molecule that binds us to one another. It's called oxytocin. And it's kind of amazing. I started this last week, but I'm going to go back and start again because I think it's important. Let me see where I want to start with. Science is always, modern science is always looking at new things. And there was a really interesting question that came up about the safety of mothers sleeping with infants. And they were worried that sleeping mothers would crush the infants. Weird, because throughout most of human history and in most contemporary sciences, science societies even, no one would even question the safety of mothers sleeping with infants. There was, however, a particular focus of this experiment having to do with the relative positions of the bodies, of the two bodies being studied. Science has this determined that there is a specific arrangement that does indeed optimize safety, a way for a mother to curl around the baby that makes the whole situation pretty well bomb-proof. 
so that the mother won't roll onto the baby or hurt the baby. I love it. He puts in her or hurt her. So she won't roll onto the baby and she won't hurt herself. This was the fear that began this or prompted the research. Remember earlier in the in the, in in my discussions the dog having a litter of puppies. The dog seemed to know all the proper steps for the process without instruction. Same deal with mothers sleeping with infants. Well, at least some mothers, and this is where it gets really interesting. The, the, the researchers found that the mothers who were breastfeeding their infants assumed the prescribed position of maximum safety without instruction, even first-time mothers. But mothers who were not breastfeeding did not. Does that not kind of interest you? The dominant hormones in, of childbirth and lactation are prolacin or pro, prolactin and oxytocin. And it's oxytocin that is the magic molecule. No better place than to begin at the very beginning, each of our literal beginnings, because this is the core relationship of human society and behavior, the one that explains who we are. True enough, oxytocin figures prominently in childbirth and lactation, but continues to exert profound influences throughout our lives. At one point in thinking about this book, John Rady, oh, I forgot to tell you, I'm reading from John Rady today, Go Wild. And we do absolutely need to go wild. They, they were missing, he was missing an important piece of the story. And he realized that Ava Sulhub might be able to tell us what that was. The hunch came from a personal observation. We had followed Cell Hub's book, Work, and had spoken with her and her co-author, Alan C. Logan, and Ava Selhub is S-E-L-H-U-B, and their book is Your Brain on Nature, which provided a great deal of information about biophilia that I spoke about over the last two weeks or three weeks. Beyond this, though, Selhub is a conventionally trained medical doctor who quickly moved beyond that training to study the healing power of nature, nutrition, and exercise, as well as meditation and traditional practices of healing, such as Qigong, Q-I-G-O-N-G. Her practice has followed many of the paths we have traced in this book, yet during our initial meeting with her, we couldn't but notice, help but notice that she was on to something new, that personally she had hit a stride that had pumped a fresh level of physical and mental vitality into her life. Oh, vitality. Go, Newskin. And Rady wanted to know what it was. So we sat for a pleasant hour's conversation in one sunny afternoon in Boston and Selhub began confirming her, our observations that in recent months she had in fact become a very different person. She told us that the proximate cause of this was simple enough. 
deceptively so, she had joined a CrossFit gym, the regimen of physical exercise Rati has spoken about earlier, with movements designed to provide a wide variety of challenges and ranges of motion that the human probably the human body probably encountered throughout evolutionary time. Yet this new variety of movement was not the whole story. It was certainly part of the explanation, but something else was at work, and that mostly. And that's what mostly Selhub wanted to talk about during the conversation. Selhub admitted up front to a deep-seated loathing of gyms and the conditioned flea response to competitive athletics that adapt that that's adopted by too many kids thanks to ill-conceived physical education programs. In her telling, the real attraction in her CrossFit practice was community. So, fitness is not competition. It's not racing to compete. It's community. It's working together. Is that not amazing? It feels good to have the rewards to not only be able to excel and do something you've never been able to do, but to compete with other people and have them excited for you. For me, if it was just the competition, it wouldn't work. But it's the community. It's the camaraderie, she told us. It's really a community. It's kids running around, seeing parents and adults exercise and doing crazy things, hugging and laughing and talking. It feels like the way it is supposed to be. Interesting. It feels like it is supposed to be. Return for a second to the record compiled by Elizabeth Marshall Thomas of her family's experience living among the Juwasi. Do you remember that? J-U slash W-A-S-I people of the Kalahari Desert in the 1950s. She quotes her mother, who wrote extensively about the experience. Sorry, that, <laughs> sorry, that wrote extensively about the experiences the Jiwasu, the Jiwasi are extremely dependent emotionally on the sense of belonging and compassion, companionship. Separation and loneliness are, an un, are unendurable to them. I believe their wanting to belong and be near is actually visible in the way families cluster together in an encampment and in the way they sit huddled together often touching someone shoulder against shoulder, ankle across ankle. Security and comfort for them lie in their belonging to their group, free from the threat, the threat of rejection and hostility. Tribalism is a cultural universal, so identified by paleoanthropologists as one of the most salient characteristics that has defined humanity since the beginning. The intense bonding of Homo sapiens was likely a major factor, if not the major factor, in giving us the edge that made us the lone survivor in our line of upright bipedal apes. Literally, we can trace our bonds in our bones, but better still, to trace it in oxytocin a chemical that is not just about nursing mothers, 
All women have it. So do all men. It holds us together. And Racy now talks about oxytocin. We're using oxytocin here to build the case that your well-being depends on solid relationships with other people. So there's another concept. There's the water, there's the nutrition, there's the exercise, but there's also a huge emotional side. We, our well-being depends on solid relationships with other people. Now, where do I want to... Okay, the next bit, I'm going to just do a little bit about it. And then we'll... The bonding agent. Sue Carter is at sea for a few minutes trying to decide where to begin. An excusable bit of indecision. How does one begin summarizing 40 years of research into the effects of a single molecule, let alone one that's front and center at the core of human behavior and the behavior of other species? Evolution has been leaning on oxytocin and its close chemical, its close chem, chemical relatives, especially vasopressin. Now, oxytocin is O-X-Y-T-O-C-I-N, and vasopressin is V-A-S-O-P-R-E-S-S-I-N. So evolution has been leaning on oxytocin and its close chemical relatives, especially vasopressin, to perform a variety of vital functions for a very long time, predating even humans, but also predating animals, even stretching back to the unimaginably distant and dank recesses of the evolutionary tunnel, where vertebrates first split from their simpler creatures without spines. Vasopressin is an ancient chemical that likely appeared when all of life was contained in a water world, making it necessary to regulate the flow of water from inside to outside of organisms. It still does that job, even among the terrestrials, including humans. And I'm just going to stop. I'm going to read one little bit more, and then I'm hoping to catch your attention. Carter was also jet-lagged, having flown home the day before from Morocco, but she nonetheless had agreed to a conversation in her new townhouse just outside Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where she recently moved her work after spending most of her career as a neurobiologist at the University of Chicago. This is Sue Carter. She takes a spot on the comfortable couch and is quickly joined by her chin, by Chin, her Japanese spaniel lapdog. And then she decides to begin where her work began in the 1970s with prairie voles. And this is what I'm going to talk about next time. Prairie voles, an innocuous and silent mouse-like species that navigates the tangled plant world of North American grassland ecosystems and is almost and is mostly unseen except by owls and biologists. And that's where I'm going to stop because it's fascinating what she learned about oxytocin and vasopressin with these little prairie voles is phenomenal.
it's talking about why we are survivors and why we also why we are here. So that's the end of my talk for today. More again this week. I'm either speaking on Thursday or Friday. Not sure yet which. We'll let you know. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and I hope I've got your interest. Why do we need to look at prairie voles? What is it about oxytocin in our ancient history that makes us what we are? Have a great day, everybody. And let me just get us unmuted and ready to go.